All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Of Like Minds video podcast. Today, I have a super special guest, Dr. Kevin Kane, the director of the Visual and Performing Arts Education Department over at UCLA, professor of arts education, and my former professor has a special place in my heart. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. I'm so excited to spend some time with you. And same. And you know, Kevin, first, you know, a lot happening in the world. I just want to check in with you. How are you doing today? Um, I know that you're on campus and you're back in your original office. So kind of being back in that space. So what's it like? How have you been today? Um, you know, it's really great coming back to the UCLA campus. But to be honest, since I think I had this down exactly since March 13th, I've only been back here like tops, maybe six times, right? A half dozen times. Our our classes immediately turn to remote classes. Um, I mean, I think you know how this is working all throughout yeah. our city and country and the world, but you know, it was really a drastic switch, but I, I, I get very inspired by coming back here. That said, mm. when you were a student at UCLA, let's see, what is there <laughs> like 45,000 undergrads and, and graduate students combined? Yeah. And then if you add in the tens of thousands of people who work here, you know, it's a small little city and it's, pretty um, empty. Uh, So this office of mine gives me a really, you know, um, you know, really great feelings of uh, uh, work that I've done here, thinking I've done here, writing I've done here, but mostly the conversations I've had through office hours and um, with students. So I come back here, I try to come back once every week or once every two weeks now, because I need some inspiration about 10 months into a pandemic, like we got (laughs) to keep finding new ways to kind of keep inspired and keep hopeful. And uh, I, I like these surroundings. Also, by the way, super chill, sometimes even more chill than my home because <laughs> there's like literally no one here. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, first of all, Kevin, I think that's an adjustment, especially, you know, as an arts education educator myself, uh, just the adjustment of working from home. And I think maybe what's that adjustment been like from you? You know, we're, we're, we're in, in ways we're both very social creatures and we feed off of other people's energy. What's the adjustment been like for you uh, during COVID? Uh, well, you know, like I teach arts education at UCLA. I'm also though an active teacher. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. working with UCLA students, but I'm also still working with high school students in theater arts and, yes. and movement and dance. I don't know if we can overstate how drastically different our teaching is when, you know, we're used to being in the same room um, you know, reading each other's eye contact, body language, uh, movements, the way we teach, you know, you're more of a, a dance educator than I am, but back in the day, I did a lot of dance, but you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy that passes back and forth from, from teacher to student and student to student. Um, mm. That's, you know, really hard to uh, simulate in a zoom classroom. Yeah. And yet I've just been so impressed by you know, my own kind of creativity and innovation, but really inspired by a lot of UCLA students who are, for better or worse, this is their time to be like a college student. This is their time to be um, studying their art form, you know, visual arts or design, media, film, theater, dance, um, architecture, you know, like this is their time to sort of like lean into that, all that they've worked Mm -hmm. for. And so, I think as teachers, we want to make that as, you know, uh, you know, as successful um, yeah. as possible. Um, I teach 
ninth graders currently mm -hmm. theater arts too. So it's in some ways my ninth grade classroom at the LA County High School for the Arts that I work with. Um, it's like a laboratory for my UCLA classes to really sort of <laughs> to like figure out, hey, what is it that's happening currently in arts education and in theater mm -hmm. education that my students could benefit from? And my students are um, really, you know, leading me in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I think that's a, I don't know if I answered your question except to say that education and the arts have changed drastically since. Um, Absolutely. You know, but but you know, I, I'm not just trying to spin positive all the time. But mm -hmm. I have been impressed by some of the really incredible lesson plans, um, projects. Mm. Um, everyone's gotten their like video editing skills up to point, you know, or at least tried to because so much of what we're doing. Um, if we want to actually share it with others or showcase it, we have to, you know, practice um, self-recording, you know, like in our own yeah. spaces and then maybe putting it together in a way that it looks like it's a group piece. And, you know, you've yeah, probably yeah, seen yeah. Some, <laughs> some, but there's some beautiful work being done. Um, and, you know, but I can't, like, I think I can't, you know, can't, uh, wait to go back to the classroom really is, is the truth. You know, I, I wanna, you know, I wanna see the students up close, the UCLA students, as well as any kind of community arts programs we're working with, um, after school yeah. programs where families join us. You know, a lot of us are, you know, in our isolated spaces and the arts are really helping us get through a tough time. But I think yeah. a, a lot of us wanna be back together. Well, I did want to ask you, you were just speaking on that, Kevin, talking about how there's potential of, you know, you're excited at the thoughts of even just coming back with having made, you know, all these great adjustments during COVID, learning virtually, collaborating virtually. One, is there even any word on when do you think you'll get back to being, hmm. being able to be in person? And, and two, do you think that that will cause another shift in terms of having to adjust being social again and being in bigger groups and maybe just talking about like, that potential, you know, the challenges that will potentially face if you guys do get to come back in person? You know, that's kind of the question of the day, the week, the <laughs> month, you know, uh, and we've been some ways asking it for like, you know, maybe the whole time, which is like, mm. hey, we're figuring out how to do this. Uh, some of it was a little bit like, uh, uncoordinated or hot, even a hot mess sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but then we kind of got good at it, but I think we don't want to get so good at it that we don't like remember mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, it, the arts are capable of so many things in a child's life, in an individual's life, but, yeah. um, and in a society, but um, that I do think it requires us to be, you know, courageous and brave and thinking about what have we learned from this last year? Yeah. What are some of the things that we've developed that maybe will never go away, right? Like they were good, like they were some good discoveries. That's almost like, you know, I'm not obviously a scientist, but if you're thinking about the arts as a kind of subject that is worth investigating and doing mm. research on and looking at, you know, kind of the best ways um, or the better ways to do it. Mm. Um, you know, I think I, 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 I use this quote, I think, I, I hope I have it at least nearly correct from, from Michelle Obama's podcast, where mm -hmm. the goal is not to come back um, the same way we were, were before. You know, it's not going back to normal. Mm. I don't think we'll ever go back to that. But maybe 
we're going back to better. And that might even improve, you know, going back to better to me means like taking what we've learned that really works and is really creative and is really kind of fun and exciting. Um, but also, you know, remembering some of the ways that we used to do things when we're in the same room and we're kind of creating hybrid or mixed, yeah. mo mixed ways of, of doing this. Um, but to answer your question, I don't really know when we're coming back. Yeah. I, I'm not speaking on behalf of the university or yeah, yeah, yeah. LA Unified School District. Like I, I feel like that's beyond me to know exactly what that is. I'm not Dr. Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as good as this. But, um, but I will tell you what I think I hear and what I think I'm in touch with in terms of our UCLA students, our mm -hmm. instructors, professors, um, our community partners, the principals of schools. As you know, part of the wonderful thing about the VAPA program here at UCLA is it brings students like you were when you were an undergrad into classrooms and into yes. schools to really work you know, uh, with young folks. Um, you know, elementary school kids, middle school mm. kids, um, high school kids, families. We're starting new programs, working with the senior population. You know, uh, senior citizens. So, wow. you know, it's 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 big. You know, it's immense. You know, the possibility for the arts to sort of help us understand who we are as human beings and how the world works and what could work better. Um, but in terms of coming back together, I think I, I, I'm connecting it to how successful the vaccine is, mm. um, how safe people feel. Um, the teachers need to feel like they've gotten their, you know, um, the vaccinations that protect them from, you know, transmission. Um, high, like high density populations like UCLA, where you're bringing a lot of people together. Yeah. I don't think that, I think it's almost like, instead of it, you know, I'm using my hands. I don't know if you're... <laughs> your followers this, but I, I don't think it's going to look like this boom I mm. think it's going to look like you know like slowly yeah. figuring out a way to come back and create this again right yes. and I think that a lot of that depends on how safe our students feel their parents um, some parents are not going to you know feel super comfortable sending their kids right back into the kinds of classrooms that Fair. were you know in a lot of public schools classrooms were Oh, Kevin, back in the day, I used to teach theater and dance at John Marshall High School. Always, yes. I have to give credit to this school. Yes. Um, but theater workshop was a class that, you know, developed and evolved over the years. But by the end of me teaching in public school, I, I had 55, 60 kids in a room. I don't think mm. we're going to rush back into like, um, what would you call it? Like overly enrolled or highly impacted yes. classrooms. I think, mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to figure out a way as theater and dance artists to you know, maybe we're still going to teach with our masks on, or maybe we're still going to mm -hmm. practice social distancing. And, you know, yeah. I'm not sure, but um, there's a long way around it. But my answer to you is I'm really looking forward to the fall 2021. So like, let's say six more months, maybe we can really start to be like in spaces with each other again and, and starting the healing process, right? Like we yeah. are, you know, our whole community, city, state, country, you know, uh, world, I, I I feel like we've, you know, experienced a lot of trauma the last year. Yeah. Um, you know, having to worry about the health and well-being of ourselves, our loved ones, um, our elders. So mm. many of us experienced loss um, or sickness. Um, so many young people before their time are you know you know grappling with like really existential life and death 
questions. And I just can only imagine um, the way the arts have always been a part of um, the solution in terms of uh, processing and, and um, understanding. I think it will definitely be a part of the recovery uh, and the healing process. And I'm not telling my students this and my colleagues this, and I really try to believe it from my heart. I think the arts are going to be part of the recovery process, part of the healing process. Absolutely. Um, part of the renaissance, you know, like we are going to like come from this moment and hopefully, uh, you know, speak to it in all, in the way that, you know, artists can speak to things, you know, um, with color and nuance and shape and energy and texture and mm. critiques and, um, you know, uh, possible solutions for the future going forward. Uh, yeah. Last year was a convergence of emergencies, um, the rise um, of consciousness around Black Lives Matter and yeah. um, social justice and inequalities. It wasn't just a pandemic, but it was a pandemic that was like, uh, you know, informed by so many different kinds of emergencies. Yes. Um, you know, a super volatile political situation. Artists have always been the people to talk about those things. Mm. But I think it's, I think we all want to just maybe experience what it's like, you know, to touch other human beings yeah. and to touch them in terms of dance, like, you know, think about social dancing, you know, or yeah. ballroom dancing, like literally to touch another body um, that's not a family member, or even for some of us, we just want to get back to our elders and give, give our seniors a big hug and tell them how much yeah. we love them and we miss them or our little children that we don't get to see and just really give them the hugs that, you know, that, that give us energy and give them, you know, a feeling of love in the world, but yeah. also the way we can touch each other with our creative expression. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that next when we, we bring back touch. We're hoping, we're hoping Kevin. And, and you know, you yeah. kind of alluded to it and I've, I've been saying this, I've been repeating this and just obviously so thankful that I was able to experience UCLA, I think, to its fullest in terms of, you know, you learn so much outside the classroom and with outside the classroom, that also includes VAPA. And I think those in class, like being able to work at schools and being at Bancroft Middle School and Uni High, and I think you, you were there for a lot of that. That is such a huge part of the program that I feel like I feel so bad for the you know, I know that you guys are making a lot of great adjustments. You're doing the best that you can, but just, just there's something to be said about those in-person experiences at the actual community and being in those school systems. If you can just talk about, you know, how we obviously don't have that, but just that's going to be, I think it's going to be such a huge hurdle. Cause for me, that was some of the best because Bancroft middle school, as you know, you were overlooking yeah. a lot of my work. It was, I always tell people like, it's easier for me to teach now because I had like those middle schoolers were some of the toughest kids I've ever had to. And just because of they were in middle school and I had to, I had to understand human psychology and behavior and I had to figure out how do I fit into this equation? So if you can just give us, you know, your thoughts on, you know, the importance of, you know, in-class learning and being immersed in that environment. And then obviously having to adjust in the pandemic, not being able to do that. If you can just talk about those two things. Well, yeah, I do think um, there's nothing like, and I actually relate to your experience. I, I started by teaching high school, but it's still sort of the same thing. So yeah. basically <laughs> opens a door for you. For me, I was a teacher mm -hmm. working on getting a teacher credential, but they literally gave me this wad of keys and said, okay, go teach this class. It's like, yeah. <laughs> usually, 
<laughs> usually the new teachers are like the, the extra room or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in some bungalow somewhere mm -hmm. like whatever and you walk into the room and it's like a bunch of kids whose backs are to you and they kind of look mm -hmm. at you so you know i had to experience that just like you did too and i yeah. think that's maybe like you know the passage uh you know rite of passage for yes. teachers but slowly making a difference in the way that the students respond to you, that they kind of care about the subject. Um, there's nothing like that going on right now, obviously. The schools, um, you know, even the, the full-time credential teachers haven't been back in the classroom in our state. Now, interestingly, my sister is a first grade teacher in Pennsylvania, mm. and she's actually had, um, you know, different, I think maybe arguably one of the problems with the way our country and our administrations have like sort of handled this pandemic is mm -hmm. there's different rules and there's different things going on yeah. depending on state to state or county yep. to county. County to county, yep. But for California, we haven't really been back in the classroom since last March. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, a lot of students, I would say the good news is they're, they're sort of figured out how to learn on Zoom and kind of they're thriving to the best that they can. But there's also yeah. a lot of students that have fallen through the cracks, Kevin. And that's what worries me about that scenario that yeah. you were just talking about, which is that it's not only our UCLA students not having the opportunity to experience their um, teaching practice. And, yeah. um, and that's the beautiful thing about arts education for me and teaching artistry. It's like, it values the arts and the deep training you had in dance and I had in theater and you know other people have in visual arts or in you know film, but it also values the educational and um, developmental process of the students. And you know, mm. we're we're trying to do it um, in a what I would say like a mediated way. Like as you know, I'm really loving like creating a vibe with you right now, but we're not yeah. in the same we're not in the same room. I know it's not the same. And even when you were grad you're a graduate, this is off topic a little bit, but yeah. you, would come, you would come back and you would check in with me all the time, maybe, yeah. maybe others, but we've had some really wonderful conversations since yes. you graduated. So yes, those are some of the things that are missing from the way that we're, you know, you know, adjusting, but um, let's talk about the VAPA students. So <laughs> they figured out ways to continue to do their lessons that, um, that are required of them in order to get uh, a minor in, in arts education. So mm -hmm. like you, like a major, yes, which is an art form. In your case, it was dance, a mm -hmm. minor in arts education. You put it together, it kind of, you know, for a lot of students that that combination makes a lot of sense. But most of what you learned was kind of the experience of designing your lessons, practicing them on your peers here at UCLA mm -hmm. campus, yeah. but then actually going into classroom spaces and, you know, trying them out. And some days were better than others, right? Like, but, yeah. you know, you go back to the, you know, you go back to like your core belief that, you know, A, you have something to offer these kids, mm. A, um, you know, something that, you know, you uh, learned yourself at some point that yes. you really value, that helped shape you as an individual. Like we often say, hey, think about a, an important influential or even transformational educator you've had in your life, right? Mm. And how much of a difference that person made in your life. And we try to encourage UCLA students to think of themselves as you could be that person in the life yeah. of a child, you know? Um, but, you know, we're doing the best we can. And this is where some interesting stuff have come, come out. I, I know you know all this, so forgive me if I'm repeating things no, maybe no, some, no. some of your other guests have said, but mm -hmm. there's been a lot of like uh, innovation in terms of um, what's called asynchronous teaching, okay. which is 
creating lessons that are, um, you know, they're synchronous teaching and asynchronous teaching. And we really didn't even use this terminology so much back in the day when you were studying education and arts education because it wasn't as necessary. But synchronous yeah. is when you're kind of showing up in the classroom with the kids right there and it's all happening in real time in a real space you know 40 minutes is 40 minutes or one hour is one hour but asynchronous is actually pre-recording your lessons um mm. so it almost looks and feels a little bit like youtube tutorials or something okay it's, it still takes a lot of design and a lot of thought um really gathering the materials you need the space you need, thinking about your lighting, thinking about how you're going to shoot it, maybe the editing process. But a lot of our students have gotten very good at sort of designing um, lessons, shooting them, editing them. And then the implementation phase is what's actually changed. So the students are, you know, providing those lessons to classroom teachers that really want their students to continue to, uh, you know, learn the arts, but maybe they could do it um, in a way where it fits into their schedule rather than fitting into the UCLA student's schedule. You know? mm. So basically you had to teach your classes and squeeze it into a time frame where it fit in with your other classes, right? And yeah. you probably you probably hustled over to these schools to sort of do your thing <laughs> and then you hustled back to UCLA. Yes. <laughs> Well, now that part's easier. Also, I got to tell you, there's a, a dance educator. His name is Nick. Shout out to Nick. But he's just one of many that I'm so interested in in their process. But, um, you know, he's he's doing all of his UCLA classes, finishing up his dance degree and doing his student teaching at East LA Performing Arts Magnet. But he's in San Francisco. Um, so he's not even in LA. Wow. Um, but he's showing up on Zoom um, and you know trying to connect with the students that way. And maybe the first class, some students were, uh, you know, it really depends. Some students don't turn their camera on, maybe because they yeah. have an accommodation that allows them to keep their camera off, or maybe they're just very yeah. super self-conscious, or maybe, yeah. you know, they're uh, they're in a space where they don't have a, you know, a, a, a private space to sort yeah. of do their classroom or there's no quiet space. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of adjustments we've had to make, but each class kind of gets better. Um, so there's a combo deal already, like a, a mixed modality of offering lessons that could be taught when a student and a teacher can fit it into their schedule, um, but also showing up into the Zoom classroom and doing your best. I kind of joke with uh, some colleagues, but I teach a lot of Zoom classes these days, and it always feels like I just, you know, hosted a, a children's TV show or something. It's like <laughs> super, like it's super big performance of yes. teaching to try yes. to get the students to. And this is UCLA too. Like you feel like you just something like. I guess what I want to say is teaching is always performative. There's always something that switches in that's a little bit like performance energy. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Like when, we, when we teach, we're not usually like just mellow and, you know, relaxed. There's yeah. something like there's an energy that kind there of is, yeah. heightens the experience. But when you're trying to like break through the screen uh, and create a 3D experience in, mm. in different, you know, in a different way, um, I think some students are really, you know, really impressing uh themselves first like hey I did that thing that I didn't know I could do um and you know the last thing I'll say Kevin that kind of this is maybe a downer but I actually feel you know quite sympathetic and empathetic to students who are 
you know, UCLA students, for instance, last spring, and that was yeah. their last quarter, you know, UCLA is on a quarter system, but yes. either quarter or semester, depending on your school, but like everything that is like beautiful about the last couple months of your college education and your college experience and all the, you know, senior projects or all of the student um, organized um, performances or, um, you know, dance, music, theater presentations, um, you know, let alone, you know, culminations and, you know, think about how yeah. important that part of it was um, or how the kind of community you were creating when you're on campus together. Those things, mm -hmm. I feel like um, a lot of students who are currently attending college, they, you know, many of them have really good attitude about, but it kind of just sucks. What can I say? Like, yeah. you don't get to experience not just like the learning, but just the fun, the energy, the, yeah. you know, like the sharing, like, I don't know what your experiences are. I don't need to hear all the dirty, <laughs> but, but, like, but like something happens, like your, se your senior year, your final year, you figured yeah. out so much stuff, you're on your path, you're, you know, you're producing and you're putting things out there. And it's yeah. just a shame that these students, you know, currently don't have the same experiences that maybe you did or you're your peers did yeah it, it is a huge adjustment and i share the same sentiments as you I, I do feel extremely bad and i really do sympathize with them um but i know that they're in good hands and i think everyone's just kind of making the best of their situation whether you are in school or not i did want to ask you kevin you've kind of brought up on several occasions earlier from what i've heard you know is that you know everyone's kind of adjusting as well as they can and I don't know if maybe if you can talk about, and you kind of just said like breaking the screen and trying to speak to the kids through like, you know, this kind of fourth wall, right? That kind of separates us. If you can maybe just talk about like some ways that or some new tactics you've done to like re-engage your students even more that you weren't doing pre-COVID. So maybe some adjustments you've done that you found that have worked at least via Zoom. And you're like, okay, like this is a new teaching style that I can kind of incorporate to kind of get the kids' attention and make them want to, yeah. uh, to work over to Zoom. Well, that, you know, that's actually the, what we're doing now in VAPA that maybe is so different than what we, but you know, what we did when in your day, which was not too long ago, you know, yeah. this has all changed. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, what can I say? Well, I try to simulate as much um, of what would be happening in a real classroom as possible. So these are just small things, but um the topic of social emotional learning arts has become much more important to the, the training of teachers. And um, I think it permeates throughout all different you know, sectors, but hmm. there's a lot of things that can happen in a classroom where we're making sure that um, the emotional well-being of the students are being addressed in ways. And, mm. you know, so just, you know, a lot of it's technological challenges are overcome, though there's still students that struggle every day with Wi-Fi. What am I saying? Like I was teaching a class a couple of weeks ago and out of nowhere with no warning, you know, you get like a little Zoom message, like your internet is unstable. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I like I had no warning and out of nowhere, it was just like, bam, done. So oh. like, um, you know, then you have to restart Zoom and mm. old kids show up again. But my point yeah. is just, the check-in, and I don't know if you do this in your own teaching, but like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't get right to work exactly, you know? No, like, yeah, same, same, I, same. I, I think about the work differently, which is like, hey, 
let me just check in with each and every student, you know, yes. and I say their name out loud. Hey, let me hear you. Are you there? How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Like, it's not that I didn't do that, but especially around like production time for those mm -hmm. of your followers who are creative uh, yeah. creatives, they may understand like the pressure right before you're putting something out in the world. It gets really intense. It's like, Hey, we don't have time for talk. We got to get right to work. Let's, let's, let's run it again, run it again. You know, like, yeah. Now, um, I'm backing off of some of the intensity of the process of creative process and understanding that the social process and the emotional process are equal to like the artistic goals, right? Like mm. if I, I feel like that's a slight change, but I think really worth mentioning with, which is that, you know, um, I want to check in with them and I want to make sure they're doing okay. And, and even if they're not feeling, you know, super comfortable to like share their whole life story with you, yeah. or, you know, to like, uh, they at least know that, you know, maybe they, um, you know, that adults in their lives are, are thinking about them. And then I'll yes. try to really remember something that they said the week before and like bring it back. Like it's, it's a really active listening job at this point, which is to really pay attention to what either students shared or talked about. I start every class with like some kind of music jam. Um, and, you know, sometimes it just creates a little, you know, um, ambiance before the students come in. But then yeah. I, I started like asking, you know, are there any DJs in the room? How many of you have been singing? Do you want to su suggest any songs? So really engaging people like in the Zoom, mm. like like even the kids who, you know, are a little bit in their shell might be, you know, open to like putting some things in the chat, really creating like positivity in that chat, yes. that Zoom chat. Yes. Whereas, whereas before, I don't think it was so much my emphasis uh, in my teaching to make sure I was check A, checking in on the student's soul so frequently mm -hmm. and also really giving them a chance to sort of, um, you know, uh, give each other support. And that chat function, you know, um, can really be helpful that way. What else is helpful? You know what, um, this is like simulating a thing, but there's something in teaching called a pair share where you're like, hey, turn to your neighbor and, you know, mm -hmm. talk about this question. You know, like, what are some things, you know, I don't even know what the question might be, but like yeah. share, share it with your neighbor and then maybe share it out, whatever. So that's where breakout rooms, I don't know if you're using those mm -hmm. in your own teaching, if you're doing like in right dance, now. whatever, but when you're doing collaboration, it can always start with conversation, mm. you know, and conversation and dialogue is part of the creative process and yes. it is part of the artistic training whereas before i think a lot of us felt like we got to get to work you yeah know, my job here is to teach you some skills some techniques um the uh you know the, uh, my job is to make you the best singer you could be the best dancer <laughs> you could be the best painter you could be yeah and now i feel like we're really sensitive and empathetic to the human condition which of course artists you know uh you know, maybe always could be and should be, but I think I'm yeah. really giving time for that. I hope that answered your question because it sounds like we're not accomplishing anything other than feeling good in our hearts, but once no, everyone feels, once they feel good, then they're more likely to like turn on their camera if they have their camera off. And I've seen this happen quite a lot, you know, um, or, um, you know, really, I'm really big, you know, my work is very collaborative. I really believe in theories um, and practices of ensemble building, community yeah. building. I'm not so much interested anymore, though I think in the beginning of my career, I kind of was, and maybe this is maybe where some of your followers are at, which is, that, uh -huh. you know, 
how do you kind of make a name for yourself as a teacher, um, mm. as an educator, as an artist, um, as an influencer, as um, someone who's yeah. sort of trying to find your own path out of undergrad. And mm -hmm. I've had a lot of different, you know, iterations of myself. I'm, you know, uh, it took me decades to get to where I'm at. Um, and so mm -hmm. I found what works best for me, but I feel like if I can nurture the, um, the human spirit, the creative spirit, the social spirit of a student, it's not as interesting or um, important for me to make sure that they are um, the world's greatest artist at that particular art form. Yeah. But really the goal for me is to think of themselves as, you know, a creative human being, uh, you know, worthy of, um, you know, worthy of uh, attention, um, validation, um, celebration, everyone's story matters. Um, yeah. Everyone's journey matters. I mean, choreographically, the, the metaphor of the journey mm. is so interesting for me right now. Um, so that every, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm super impressed by dancers that have like complete perfect unison. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm equally interested in like getting to know each dancer and yeah. spending time with them on stage or on screen in a different way. I yes. love seeing different body types. I love seeing different ages, shapes, sizes, um, colors. So even though maybe the idea is unison, I'm actually interested in what makes people unique within an ensemble. Mm, absolutely. Honestly, I'd love to know, hear from more, you know, choreographers and dance makers at this point, like where their head's at with that. But I just feel like the last couple of years have really taught me to like really value the individuality of all my students at mm. the same time, exploring their commonality through the arts practice we're working on. Well, you know, you just, you mentioned it earlier, Kevin, and it's kind of funny, but this is how our journey in terms of knowing about and meeting each other started, but uh, you were actually one of the two staff that was in my audition room at UCLA. And I remember you even reached out to me in the summer, maybe a month or two before school started, even just checking in and introducing yourself. And I, and I always felt like very warm welcome, obviously like 17, 18 year old high schooler going yeah. into a university. It was just, it was just one of those things that also made it be like, okay, like some familiarity, some support, like, oh, like that's really awesome. Like he, he remembered me, like that's so amazing. And I wanna just do a quick aside here, Kevin, cause I think this is gonna, there's not gonna ever be a better time to say this, but I remember creating for, my piece specifically for UCLA, cause I had done UCI, I had done CalArts and there was so many others I, I don't really remember at this time, but I remember taking the Amtrak up North to, from San Diego uh, where I live uh, to LA. And I remember trying to create um, the piece for the audition, like two days the night before. And I remember like, for some reason I struggled so much because UCLA was the dream school. It was like, I maybe kind of putting a little too much pressure on myself. And I remember I, I knew that I knew the, the song I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to do like lyrical contemporary because I never wanted to be pigeonholed into being like, you can only do hip hop or you can only do X, Y, and Z. And I remember there was only one part in the music that I knew I wanted to do something. And I remember everything else was like a guided improv. So for my audition, it was actually like, I had listened to the song tens and thousands of times. It was a song for you by uh, Christina Aguilera's, her version. But I just remember being oh. like, you know what? I'm going to go into this. Just I'm just going to channel the emotion and just like try to, sh hopefully the staff can feel like how much I want this rather than just like choreographing it and like making it like look clean. So I remember I had like a completely just like 
all right, just YOLO. I'm going to just do it like this. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just remember it was just so memorable seeing you in that room. And then obviously you had reached out to me a couple months later. And then there was just always a connection. And like you said, even post-grad and, you know, teaching when I was still teaching, you know, at uni high school and post-grad from UCLA, like we were always in constant communication. So there's just so much connection in history there that I wanted to kind of clarify that. I know that there's people in the audience that, that, that have went to UCLA that listen to this. So just for them to know, um, but that's just kind of going back to our history. And I've always felt that you've always connected and you've always made me feel comfortable and you've always, you've always just supported me. And I've always really appreciated that. And I feel like that's something that goes very like kind of under the radar for like a really great teacher or a mentor in your yeah. case, just like an older figure that really just has always looked out for my best interests. So I just want to say thank you for that. Just I wanted to get that out there because it means a lot to me and it's uh, it's helped me get to places in my life. I just wanted to say that to you. Take the time. Thank you. You know, at this point in my career, those kinds of things really keep me going. Um, got a little touched up here. But Kevin, I'll be honest, I don't remember every single student that ever auditioned for the dance program that I was part of, or yeah. every student that I ever taught, especially as I get older, I'm teaching more and more at this point, it's easily a thousand students that I've ever taught. But yeah. I do have a capacity, I will say that maybe not every teacher has, you know, some teachers can just drop in knowledge <laughs> that changes some kid's mind like boom yeah. and it changes their whole life i'm not saying i'm not capable of that you know whatever maybe yeah. i on occasion i can <laughs> muster something that feels profound like that yeah but i think my approach really has been um more on a, a personal level and i, I remember yeah. you i remember your audition i remember your edit and I would say that's true of many, many other students and not just at UCLA, it goes all the way back to my LAUSD public school teaching is that, um, you know, some students come into your life, this might be true for, you know, you as well. Um, and then they move on, like you're just part of, you know, them getting to the next place in some way, but yeah. others really like, you know, really, you create some real moments between each other. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that with a special kid like you. Mm -hmm. um, I do remember your audition and it's interesting because I can almost picture how much you, uh, you really cared, you were really focused, you were really like, um, I didn't know it was like your number one school but I could kind of tell. And actually one of the things I almost wanted to say to you uh, and I would still say to any student, which is like, hey, just trust your process trust mm. your you know enjoy the moment whatever happens after this is out of your control do the best you can you yeah. know believe in yourself believe in the music believe in the choices you made believe in the you know the the choreography that you're going to do connect to you know this minute i don't know how how they don't even a give me that much time to and then you know there's a stack of other things like you know you know your letters of recommendation and your score test scores and things like that but yeah I just always felt like UCLA has increasingly got more, maybe you know this, more and more difficult to kind of yeah. accept, it, accept it to. Like, it, I think yeah. it's the number one public university in terms of applicants. Like, there's just so yes. many applicants. That for sure. And yes. there used to, I don't know at this point what these kids' GPA is. You know, I just yeah. want to, I almost, I basically want to say, wow, how in the world did you get a 4.5? Like, what is, is that? On yeah. the other hand, I want to say, you know, you are so much more than that number on that paper. You are so yeah. much more. I'm excited to get to know you beyond what mm -hmm. even a 4.5 means. Like yeah. I, that's the kind of 
thing I want to, you know, sort of, if I can as a teacher, just sort of like helps people see their full value and not just the value that they have like on paper. And I think our society has really, um, you know, overemphasized and maybe the pendulum is swinging a little bit in the other direction, but overemphasized um, what our SAT scores are, what our ACT mm -hmm. scores are, what our GPAs are. That is so, you know, just minimal part of who we are, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of us figure, figured out the hustle you need to make or to kind of maybe go into higher education, but there's tons of amazing artists, dancers, scholars, thinkers, creators, uh, you yeah. know, um, that on paper, um, you know, are, look average and they're anything but average. They're like mm. way more than average. And so absolutely, actually, literally what I wanted to tell you is I knew you were really capable and special uh, um, even before you started dancing, <laughs> just because I could see the way like, oh, this kid is coming. He's, he's coming you know, he's coming with the right, you know, intention, which is that, you know, he really has something to share. I can see it. He wants to share something. Let me lean in and see what it is he's trying to say. And then, you know, cut to 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> here we are. And we're, and we're, that's the, that's the yeah. amazing thing is, you know, I always say that just, just the tuition was, it's obviously a hell of a lot, but I think the, uh, honestly, and, and uh, that's actually real, but the yeah. connections that are everlasting and the friends that I've made and the networks, especially from the professors and, and the mentors that I've had, um, makes it all worth it. it. It truly does because you experience like at that time of like, you know, you're 18 to 22. I mean, you go through a lot of growth and moving away from home for the first time and being independent and learning how yeah. to time manage and learning how to figure out what you want to do with your life is and having all that support, especially like at a, a community like UCLA was incredibly so incredibly profound on my life and it was worth it. And you're obviously one of those people who's had a huge impact. And I just want to take that time to, to say that Kevin. And I wanted to, don't think that I forgot, but I definitely want to get into you because you have a very, 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 very profound resume and just everything you've done. And I first even want to start um, Kevin, first of all, just a little bit on what it was like for you growing up, if you can, whatever you feel like you can share with us. And then two, maybe even how you got interested in the arts and then in, and in education in the first place. So like where that journey even started. So what it was like growing up and then how the arts and education came into your life? Mm. Well, that's a long story. You're right. Uh, it goes back many years at this point. But, um, <laughs> let me see if I could make it succinct in some way. Um, <laughs> I think I was a super creative kid, if I could be, you know, really honest about reflecting. Um, and yet I, you know, I grew up in a family that was struggling in its own way. And I, mm. I think we were taken care of, but it was really hard for my parents. Um, I'm from, you know, uh, a family that was really working just to survive. Um, yeah. You know, um, and this is common to other students I've met over the years, which is why I think I've had such a kind of an affinity and an empathy mm. for so many of my students. But yes. growing up in poverty, growing up um, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, issues like addiction and, um, you know, um, I don't want to throw my family under the bus. They're, they're so important to me. But, you know, they were just figuring stuff out. Immigrant mm. families, um, low socioeconomic yeah. families. Um, yeah. uh 
people that are working all the time, people that are like, you know, I'm not saying the kids get ignored, but I think some ways my creative spirit wasn't nurtured um, or at least I don't recall it being nurtured. There was no one in my family that had ever gone to college. So I would almost yeah. say even my academic sort of, um, as long as you were a good enough kid and didn't get into trouble, then they were just like, okay, this one's okay. Let's focus on, you know, the yeah. next one. So in some ways I had a really strong sort of, um, you know, self-directed and, you know, um, I would say even like creative fantasy life, dance. I mean, just like so many kids, I didn't have access to mm, dance lessons or whatever, but you know, like yeah. singing into my hairbrush. I love <laughs> to sing. I had some influential teachers along the way. I'll never forget in second grade, one of my teachers gave me my first guitar and she wow. taught us how to play. I mean, yeah, because I'm, you know, when you come from like um, a family that really struggles um, economically, like yeah. things like dance lessons or even instruments or music, like those are all extras. Like we don't, yeah. we don't, these mm -hmm. are things we just don't, you know, like we're lucky we got, you know, our dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From, during some parts of our life. Right. Yes. You know, I know what it's like to like drive in a car where there's too many people crammed in the car and it's a crappy car. You don't even know if it's going to be able to get really like, from A to B, you know, um, you know, or, you know, being worried that the electricity or the, you know, whatever's going to be turned off. Like those are some formative memories for me, but I think a lot of artists can relate to sort of like facing um, challenges and adversity and and you know creating something beautiful out of it Absolutely. and I would say definitely there's some seminal important teachers in my life that sort of picked me out as someone who had potential um, I really benefited from scholarships um, my first formal mm. scholarship I think was maybe I was 14 years old yes and maybe benefited from a ballet scholarship. I mean, I kind of knew what ballet was just from watching TV or something, but yeah. <laughs> I like didn't know. Let me like, put it this oh. way. I, I didn't even think, I don't even think I went to a museum until I was in college. college mm. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. weren't a family yeah. that didn't, didn't, you know, I would say understand or prescribe to like high art. Uh, the music I understood was the music that was played. And this is true of a lot of immigrant families, the music that was played and sung at family parties, the dancing that was done in backyards. Like I understood another yeah. way that the arts were alive in my life, but yeah. I didn't have any training. And those weren't art forms that were necessarily valued in the society or in the, at least in the communities that I grew up in. Yeah. So I'm from an Irish background. If any of your followers, <laughs> you know, Irish people like we sing we tell stories I think I have a very like beautiful voice for Irish songs just from like mm. thinking about the ways that like my relatives and family so it was not like you know the worst childhood in the world but there weren't a lot of opportunities to train um, so some of that was self-motivated and some of it was impacted by um, you know but I think I tell this story and I'll tell it really quickly. Yeah. When I got that ballet scholarship, I think so much of that had to do with the fact that I was a tall, skinny kid. And they really, I remember them looking at my foot. I don't know if you have any dancers that will be listening to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there used to be like this real value for like a foot that you can arch your foot. Yeah, like, like a really good like, point. Like a really good like point. Like point, yeah. <laughs> point your toes. And I remember the teachers being like, oh, wow, look at his, his foot. Like basically my value was like, yeah. focused on one part of my body. Mm -hmm. And I've often thought, wow, what would it have been like if I was a, and you know, being a male who wanted to dance already, you have like a, a foot in the door. Cause they were like, yeah, like, they were, scarce. Yeah. 
they were open to it. But I often wonder what it would have been like if I had been short, chubby, flat-footed. I don't know. I don't think I wouldn't have got that first ballet scholarship, which yeah. then wouldn't have led to other opportunities that led to other opportunities that led to other opportunities. And it's that randomness, Kevin, that I never liked as I got older. When I became a teacher at Marshall High School, I met so many, I mean, truly brilliantly talented, hysterical, um, creative, caring, kind, beautiful kids that had very little, if any, arts training or formal training yeah well, a lot of them could dance a lot of them could sing a lot of them and again a lot of that came from like quinceanera culture or like debut culture Do you know yeah. like, like like there was there was arts going on in, in my yeah. communities karaoke like there were things going uh -huh. on but they weren't like hey we went to like you know miss tanya's dance studio it wasn't that and i just felt like i want to be part of the you know, the initiative or the movement that makes arts education available to all kids. You shouldn't just have the luck of having an arched foot or, a, a, you know, an influential teacher or a school that has a good arts program, depending on what zip code you grow up in. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, um, you know, a lot of my opportunities came sort of in kind of a stroke of good luck. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to have to be so lucky for kids to have access to the arts. Um, and by the way, the arts is so much about learning how to be a human um, being in the world, learning how the world works, not only to uh, understand um, the world, but also to critique the world. You have to know what it is. You have to have a voice. Literally your voice is a metaphor. I'm not just talking, you have to learn how to sing, but learning how to sing will help you learn how to make some noise in the world, right? Mm. And making some noise in the world will make a change in the world. And that's how I feel about, you know, um, arts education. So I just became, it's a long journey to get there. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm like the first people, you know, I had a couple cousins exactly my age. That, also, I don't know if you understand Irish Catholic culture, but like, we had, I had hundreds of cousins. Like my mother's, <laughs> my mother's the youngest of 12. So wow. if, they, if they all had all these kids and those mm -hmm. kids all had all these kids, like they, we have a lot of kids, but I was among the first um, graduating class of high school. I had four um, cousins exactly my age and we all went to college. So literally we were the first in our families to go to college. I don't know how I ended up becoming a professional artist, uh, performing artist. Uh, then going to get an MFA in dance and then yeah. a PhD. Uh -huh. like, it's, like there's no, this is totally by accident, but those are my degrees over <laughs> my shoulder. Right <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you gotta have them up. It's a good, it's a good reminder, especially during but, this time. Yeah. But anyway, I just think about a lot of that, which is not only my good fortune, my good luck, to be honest, I want to own it. Like a lot of self-direction, a lot of self-motivation, to be very honest for those of us who grew up in houses afflicted by addiction. So mm. much of it was about trying to get out and get, a, get beyond and get above this, my circumstances. And I felt like school was, okay, I can get out of, you know, I can get out of this situation as long as I, I get to call for me somehow I thought getting to college meant I'll have a successful life. Sick. It's so much more complicated than that. I know, yeah. but, but my little brain was just thinking like, I want, I want a good life for myself. Um, and somehow, you know, the arts was a part of the, you know, the structure mm. and the mechanism and the tool to create that. And then I would be really remiss if I didn't, also not only mention the teachers, but mention the friends I made. Mm -hmm. I so relate to like 
the friends I made in my theater, you know, I did a lot of musical theater. So every yes. time you're, every time you're in a show, like you create these small little families and then some of them stick with you the rest of your life. I'm here to tell you, I have friends that I've had for 40 years that I met when I was like in middle school, you know, like, so it's the arts not only kind of gives, gave me direction, um, academically, um, but it certainly gave me a foundation socially to like have really close friendships that I'm lucky enough to have to this day. So I hope that helps answer your question a little bit because it's, it's a, you know, it's a complicated story, but I want every kid to have the option for those kinds of experiences. Absolutely. And we're going to do a little showboating for here, you here, Kevin. So I'm just going to yeah. kind of read off some things that I had written down to make sure that we included this in here. But uh, Kevin, your resume is uh, very accomplished and you have so much. And I'm going to get to a question at the very end, but I mean, a PhD in cultural studies with an emphasis in arts education from Claremont Graduate University, an MFA in dance choreography from World Arts and Culture at UCLA, the WAC department, World Arts and Cultures and Dance. You designed yeah. and directed the award-winning high school dance theater intensive program, which is taking place from 2006 to 2013, I believe, correct? Well, I was director during those years, but there you it, go. It passed, it, then it passed on to uh, people who actually attended the program, some of whom attended the program when they were in high school. So a lot of it is mm -hmm. like creating space for new leadership to happen. And in that program, I'm really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. You're also a former credentialed language arts teacher, which you did just recently just say that right now in the yeah. uh, LA Unified School District. You yep. taught theater arts and dance for eight years at John Marshall High School. And you yep. created numeral, numerous original dance theater productions in collaboration with many students. And of course, along with your childhood friend, Monica Horan Rosenthal, uh, you co-founded and served as executive director for the Flourish Foundation from 2005, 2014. So yeah. the reason why I say all just some of your accomplishments, Kevin, is, you know, you do all these things and you, 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 you spearhead a lot of these amazing spaces that have ultimately cultivated these artists and, and kids. I mean, you're so accomplished and you have all this knowledge and, and experience from your life and, and these different spaces. I mean, what ultimately made you just decide to even to give back? I mean, all these programs are kind of, it's always about giving back. It's always to the next generation. How can you further this craft that has given you a life and you love so much? Like what made you decide like, you know, what? it's all about giving back. Wow. Um, yeah. I think when you frame it that way, there is definitely, you know, an element to my career, which is about um, creating opportunities uh, for access points, you know, entry points, maybe because I benefited so much from those entry points myself, um, opportunities to develop skills and techniques, but also friendships, confidence. Um, um, there's so much so many facets of my story that I, we didn't have time to get to today, but really making sure that there's safe spaces for kids, creative spaces, spaces mm -hmm. where, you know, marginalized kids can feel like they're part of the, uh, um, you know, the center um, of the experience, you know, and, and not, you know, I think so many of those things inspired me. I guess to answer your question, I feel like maybe it was a career built on um, gratitude <laughs> mm. um, gratitude for my own opportunities and the people who provided them um, and gratitude for whatever kind of um, privilege and power I was able um, to either build for myself or was given, you know, um, uh, by society and um, really making sure that um, 
lots of different kinds of kids from all different kinds of backgrounds and all different kinds of neighborhoods um, have the same opportunities. And it feels like me giving, me giving, but clearly it's also reciprocal. I keep receiving, mm. I keep receiving. Yeah. And so uh, I'm glad you can relate to that. Like every time we give, we get something back that just feeds us to give more. And hopefully, um, you know, seeing young people grow up um, into healthy adults, um, a lot of them educators, a lot of them giving in their own way, um, teaching, you know, the phrase each one teach one, um, <laughs> or, you know, uh, creating space for new leadership to develop really takes like mentorship that I feel like is more than just like a one off, it can't just be one experience. So I've always been interested in like, okay, well, what's the next experience or what's the next um, project that can help that student continue to develop. I think maybe our relationship is one model for that, which is yeah. stay in touch with your students, um, uh, you know, when it's appropriate to sort of yeah. see how they're doing and then also be available to them when they reach out to you. Um, and um, I guess part of that, you know, kind of all goes back to, you know, that's, like I said, the gratitude I have for, um, you know, the opportunities that came my way to imagine a life. I, 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 I had a dream of a life when I was a child, but I didn't know what that would look like. Along the way, I would never necessarily have been able to like tell you the story, what you just described there. Some of it was really random for me, like yeah. making this choice, you know, taking this road instead of that road. I really, in my twenties was interested in being a professional performer and an actor and a dancer yeah. and a singer. And I really leaned into that. I really like worked hard at that. And little did I know that that set me up for all the kind of skills I would need to navigate um, teaching, higher education, starting a nonprofit, um, directing a very revolutionary arts edge program, you know, like all of the things I did um, kind of brought me to this place. And now I'm really, ex you know, excited by the, the younger people. Um, yeah. Because even like you, the younger people are not so young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't remind me, don't remind me. <laughs> so the younger people I know who are now have come into their own as adults, I just think that's what inspires me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, Kevin, you've you've only just you know we've only had time to just give a surface level of you know your narrative and your journey and how you've navigated, and I think specifically with you being you know so many things and you know obviously just an educator and an arts educator at heart, it's always just been a huge part of you. I know a lot of people that are even thinking about pursuing the arts. There's a lot of just hesitancies. It's a really difficult time, and I think that you know this is this space is all about connecting with people that have really had an impact on my life and, you know, how have they, how have they maneuvered through their life and how can us as listeners, how can we apply some of those great things to our lives? Now, this wouldn't change anything in the world, Kevin, but if you could say anything to your 13 year old self, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, that's such a, you know, a common question that I interestingly don't know that I've ever asked myself. Um, <laughs> you know, at that point, I, I was pretty fragile and um, pretty uh, shy. I think I was being, honestly, if, if I may tell the truth, I think I was being kind of bullied on a regular mm. basis at school. 
Um, so, so much of it. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of that still happens. And I mean, you know, a lot of it happens on social media, whatever, but I would really like kind of want to say, uh, you know, the obvious is it's, it's going to get better. You know, you're not going to be this 13 year old um, target for like, you know, name calling and abuse. And, you know, a lot of queer kids experience, you know, very similar kinds of things. Um, so in some ways I would really want to like encourage that young kid to kind of um, stay strong and keep believing themselves. This is something I haven't really said out loud, but I've thought about a lot, but also I would encourage that person to like stand up for themselves more and don't believe, don't believe what uh, some folks um, believe of, you know, um, believe of me, but actually fight back. And I don't mean physically fight back, but really fight to like, um, you know, own my, my place in this classroom or, or like really hold on to like my value and not give it up so easily. Um, I think that's important. I'm really gonna think more about what I mean by that, but yeah. there was something about, um, you know, working, working on my self-esteem that took a lot of years. And I really wish there was maybe someone at that age that would just, you know, um, remind me of my value and uh, my worth and my potential. Um, and again, I think that goes right back to what you just said. Why, why are some of the choices I made in my career? It might really be to take care of that 13 year old kid that is start, mm -hmm. you know, is not believing in themselves or is being the target of um, bullying or is facing, you know, a lot of challenges in their home or, you know, like I really want to maybe um, go back to that 13 year old kid all the time and like, you know, help them stay strong, stay, you know, keep believing in themselves. And I think maybe it starts with me going back to myself, you know, like mm. you said, what would you say to, what would you say to that student? And maybe on some level, every time I talk to a, a ninth grader, I'm talking to myself anyway. Mm. <laughs> That's huge. You know, Kevin, I just, uh, especially that last bit, I just want to say thank you for being so transparent and giving us your time and your energy today. And I think, you know, you've played a huge role in my life and I have so much love for you. And I know that you have so many things going on. I'm just so happy that you're able to, you know, spare some time today to come on with us and to share your narrative and to just you know, share your knowledge with the audience and whoever's tuning in. And hopefully we can do a checkup sometime in the future. That's kind of something that I'm planning to do with, with all the guests that I've had. I'm definitely like I, I told you pre-recording that, you know, I'm trying to get that first year's worth of content and obviously check back in when things are right. So hopefully, you know, when we get to check back in, things will be a little bit different in the world in terms of like positively, we'll be able to be back in the classroom safely and responsibly. But until then, Kevin, you know, I'm, I'm always here for you. And I just want to say thank you so much. And um, I hope you had a good time, Kevin. I really hope yeah, you had a good time. It was, it was wonderful speaking with you, Kevin. And um, it's, you know, right back at you, you know, thank you for all you're doing. Um, putting stories like mine and many other people out there and maybe kind of helps other people feel like um, something they can relate to or something they can connect with or maybe inspire them. Um, and you're doing the same thing. So right back at you. I look forward to seeing you in real life again, giving you a nice hug. Absolutely. And, uh, pick it, pick it up. Looking forward to it, Kevin. Until then, take care and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin.